Good ideas don't always work. See, we have all the best of intentions, but if we lack intentionality, nothing happens. Sometimes it's convenience, sometimes it's comfort, sometimes it's our schedule. So we just end up doing the same thing we've always done, getting the same results we always get, and nothing ever changes. But what if there was a way to do things different? A way to turn ideas into actions and intentions into reality. I know you want to, but will you? Well, I want to welcome you into a moment of corporate prayer. We believe that God hears every word that we're about to speak because we're speaking in accordance with his will and what we believe is his direction. This morning, we're going to be privileged to pray over and commission Brian and Tracy Hall, our very first ever CTK Global Ambassadors. You as a church have made this possible. I made an appeal earlier this year along with my wife, Laurel, who's been our global missions director for the last three years, that if you love our global partners, you will send these two to them. We have 14 global partners around the world. We don't just send checks to them. We actually do life together, which means we are in communication. We love them. We walk alongside of them. We know when things are going well. We know when they're struggling. Brian and Tracy are going to be an extension of the hands and feet of Jesus. And what we have behind me right now is members of our missions committee and our church council, in fact, if there's any other members of the church council or of our missions team that would like to come and join us on the stage, Randy, come on up here. That's great. That's fantastic. We'd love to have you come and join. In the coming years, let me tell you what Brian and Tracy will be doing. They will be going to the community center that you built in Catania, Sicily, that's housing Ukrainian refugees, and they will be the hands and feet of Jesus in that beautiful spot. They'll be standing on the riverbanks where we have seen literally thousands of new Thai believers be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're going to walk alongside. They're going to love. They will be in Tanzania, Kenya, Belize, and many other places seeking to find ways to love and serve our global partners. And then they're going to come back and they're going to build bridges for you to be able to connect with God's heart for the nations. God loves the nations all of them. He loves all people in all places. And these two are going to create bridges so that we can walk back and forth over those bridges to truly know our partners and walk alongside of them. So I'm going to invite you right now as they are literally surrounded. I mean, look at this. You got people behind them and now we got people in front of them. So I'm going to ask you if you're in the room, would you stand with me? As we enter into a moment, this is corporate prayer. This is the family of God speaking to our Father with absolute confidence that he hears everything we're about to pray and that he will move and respond. So I'm going to ask you if you're comfortable to extend a hand of blessing towards Brian and Tracy and we're going to pray over them right now. Jesus, thank you for the way you have been writing out the story of Brian and Tracy Hall. God, thank you for Laurel's vision of sending people on a continual basis to love and touch our global partners who we have, they have grown so near and dear to our hearts. Lord, now that vision, that bold vision has become a reality with Brian and Tracy and they've stepped forward. God, they're stepping back from their jobs. They are putting so much on the line, but I thank you today. We have an opportunity to say to them, you're not alone. We are with you and we are for you, 
and God is with you and he is for you. So Lord, we commission them, we send them in the name of Jesus today. We pray, God, that they would reach out with humility and love as we know that they will. That's who you've wired them to be. So God, as they are sent and released today out on their first number of assignments, which will come just in the next few months, God, I pray that Tracy and Brian both would know they are not alone, that Jesus goes before them, and that we stand with them, Lord, and in moments where they may, um, where they may question, God, that they will remember back to this moment when they were surrounded by the family of Christ, the King Community Church, when they said, we are in this together, and we're going to walk with you. God, I thank you for our global partners. I pray in the name of Jesus that they would feel the love we have for them as Brian and Tracy show up in their world as they embed themselves in their mission, as they walk alongside and then look for opportunities for the family of Christ the King to serve better. God, thank you that you are a God who loves the nations and that we are a church who loves the nations, which means our hearts are aligned and that means a miracle is waiting to happen. So God, we bless them and we pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May you experience his mercy and may his peace be yours. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you. That's so good. So we're going to transition in just a moment. Don't sit down on me now, church. <laughs> Come on. While we're transitioning and walking down, I want you to actually turn around and just acknowledge some people around you. A hi and a friendly face around this place is really helpful. Let's do that. Brian and Trace are going to be leaving on their first excursion this fall, and we are so excited to keep our global partners and our common work in front of you. They're going to be doing social media posts. You're going to just get more missions than you've ever experienced before, and I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that looks beyond itself. This is not just about our little Jerusalem right here. It's about the utter end of, uttermost ends of the earth, and we want to make sure that that stays in front of our church family. You just participated in the power of prayer. There's something amazing that happens when God's people come together and align our hearts with Jesus. And isn't it amazing that that's exactly what James chapter 5 wants to talk to us this morning about. I want to remind you, this Friday is actually our day to pray. We set aside one day a month when we take over 24 hours of time. People take time slots, morning, night, afternoon, and we pray together. And I want to encourage you, if you've not signed up for day to pray, it's this Friday, you go to CTK dot church slash day and then the number two pray and you can get signed up there there's two prayer guides there one from the light of the world prayer center then i write one for christ the king community church believe me we have so much to be praying about these days and i want to welcome you into that opportunity this weekend we're going to graduate from a life crash course given to us by the brother of jesus and colleges all around the the country today people are moving into their dorms a lot of students are still doing distance learning, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of parents saying goodbye to their kids today. 
And they all have their eyes on one day in the future, graduation. I've had the opportunity to speak at several graduations and baccalaureate services over the years. I find the experience somewhat funny and humorous because let's be honest. Can any of you remember a single word that the guest speaker at your graduation said? None of you. I rest my case. Graduation addresses are almost always the same. Somebody gets up and they talk about learning and making the world a better place and changing the course of the world and they always quote a famous person. That's what happens. And then every single time, at some point, the speaker throws in some sound life advice. Like always wear sunscreen, make your bed, always log off your computer, put on clean underwear, and never wash a red shirt with your white sheets, right? It's just the stuff that they say. Bill Gates was speaking at a graduation. He left this nugget of wisdom for the crowd. He said, be nice to nerds. You might end up working for one someday. (laughs) Practical advice. And it always seems to find its way to graduation at some level. Well, as I said this weekend, we're going to graduate a class from the School of James today. And walking through this book, we've been confronted with truth and forced to look long and hard at our own faith journey. Like all graduates, we found something out. We found out that after all this learning, we really don't know that much. We may find that we've got more questions than answers, more learning to do, but as in all things, it's time to move on. Next weekend, Pastor Brian and I will be here doing Ask Us Anything with the questions you're putting in boxes out in the commons. Please pray for both of us. But before James signs off, he's going to give us some practical life advice that we should hold on to. The difference with the advice that James gives us is that it's actually stood the test of time. We should listen. And we're going to dip a little bit back into chapter 4 before we move into chapter 5 because I want you to know the chapter breaks in your Bible were not actually God-ordained. They were put there by scholars and sometimes, in my humble opinion, they missed it. And this is one of those moments. I think they should have split the chapter just before the end of 4 as it moves into number 5, in my humble opinion. But to the graduates of the wisdom of the book of James, number 1, this is what he says. Watch out for the sneaky sins of the slippery slope. James says, you don't just show up one day and say, I'm just going to go out and sin. No, you slide your way there. You slide on excuses and good intentions. James 4, 17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. James tells us there's two kinds of sins. There's sins of commission. Those are sins that we willingly and willfully participate in. Those are the obvious ones. We walk in headlong knowing exactly what we're doing. And then there's sins of omission. Those are the sins that happen when we choose to do nothing. I watched a video of a brutal carjacking. It happened to a 91-year-old World War II veteran. This American hero was brutally beaten by a young man who just wanted his car. And the video turned my stomach, but what hit me hardest was the fact that in the background of the assault, there were five people just standing, watching, and doing nothing. And that would be their defense, right? I didn't do anything. Exactly. You didn't do anything. And we all know this truth. It's been repeated in history over and over and over again. Evil triumphs when good people do nothing. James has been teaching us for four chapters about the good we ought to do, right? Here's some good we ought to do. We ought to learn how to control our tongue, how to resist temptation, how to love orphans and widows, 
how to resist the devil, how to draw near to God, how to humble ourselves before God. And now all of these things, we know it and we are responsible to do it. I know you want to, but will you? And then James sets his sights on people who've been financially blessed and he pulls no punches. When we were getting ready for the service this morning, Ryan is over here going like, wow, James chapter five. This is not easy stuff. I would summarize chapter five, the beginning number of verses with this, this summary. Hold your money with humility for the sake of blessing. And I'm going to read the warning again to you, and I'm going to caution you. It's blunt. James says, now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded your wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Wow. The world tells you there's two kinds of people, rich people and poor people. Some of us think we're poor. You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again. If you live and eat in this country, you are richer than 96% of the people on the face of the earth. That's just truth. The world says there's two kinds of people, rich people and poor people. The Bible actually says there are four kinds of people. There are godly, wealthy people. These are people who see their wealth as a blessing, and in turn, they're a blessing to other people. And this church has a lot of those folks. There are also ungodly wealthy people. Those are people who got their money through sinful means and they used their power to exploit other people for their own gain. So there's godly wealthy, there's ungodly wealthy. There are godly poor people. Those are people who don't have a lot of stuff, but they are rich in Jesus. Laurel and I, in our travels around the world, we've met a lot of godly poor people. And you know what they have that seems missing in our culture? Joy. Joy. They're so excited to share. I've sat at tables where I knew for a fact the cost of that meal was up to a month's salary of the family that was hosting us. That's humbling. There are godly poor people all around the world. And there's also ungodly poor people. These are people who are lazy, don't want to work, and think the rest of the world owes them something. So a little bit of graduate wisdom. When you get over your entitlement and actually go to work, life will be better for you. Come on. James chapter 5. James is warning the ungodly wealthy who are exploiting, who are exploiting the believers who have been scattered and he reminds them in very clear terms, you can't take your wealth with you and one day you will answer to the owner of it all. Jesus owns everything. The only wealth you can take with you is the wealth of your character and the wealth of your integrity and that grew as you followed Jesus. No, you want to. But will you use your blessing to bless others? 
Thirdly, challenge your personal paradigm of suffering and hope. We've got one approach to personal suffering in North America, and this is it. Make it stop. That's our approach to suffering. In some of our minds, we believe that suffering can only be explained one way. God must have left. He must be absent. The book of Job will be worthy of a sermon series someday. I'm not sure I'm ready to tackle it quite yet. When we read Job's story, we see his suffering and, and, and we see the bumper sticker answers of his, of his really well-intended friends. I think his friends get a lot of heat, but here's what I love about them. They showed up. They showed up. We observe Job's encounter with God. We see his whole perspective on suffering change. And James must have heard of Job too because this is what he says. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James says that the response to suffering that should come from a follower of Jesus is not make it stop. It should be draw me close. Draw me close. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. We heard that last week. In the first weeks, we heard consider it pure joy when you face trials of many times because you know that the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. Those are good words from James. As a pastor, I get a front row seat on suffering. And I have to ask, why is it that some people face suffering with such anger and other people face suffering with so much I think there's one reason that separates the two. One chooses to cling to the truth that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy and the other one blames God for the pain. In moments of suffering, God is either your most convenient enemy or your most powerful ally. Allow him to be that powerful ally. I know you want to. Number four, James says, be consistent. Verse 12, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. That's blunt. Now, when he's not talking here, he's not talking here with cursing being, you know, something that just kind of slips out of your mouth when you bang your thumb with a hammer. That's not what he's talking about. He's actually talking about making an oath. And we try to make it so complicated. Let me, let me just peel back the layers of the Greek meaning in this verse. Yes means yes. No means no. That's it. Someone asks you a question. It's a simple yes or a no. And then James wants us to live with that. Keep your answers and your promises simple and consistent. Come on. I know you want to, but will you? Number five, pray in faith with the right motives. James 5 says this, is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. This is a tough verse. 
It's not a tough verse to obey. It's a tough verse because people read it and they go, there it is right there. That's my formula. I got a verse. If I want to be better, here's what I happen. I call the, the bosses of the church. They smear some oil on my forehead. They sprinkle some clergy dust over me and I will be fixed. This is not a formula. We'll get to that in just a minute. This is about as real as it gets. There have been times when I have earnestly prayed for healing for someone and praise God, God said yes and it was instantaneous and it was here on earth and all of the glory went to Jesus. There have been times when I have earnestly asked God for a miraculous healing and God said, not yet. And in many cases, I'm still waiting. There have been other times when I've earnestly prayed for healing where God answered with the most beautiful miracle of all and that person found complete healing and wholeness with Jesus in heaven. And because I wanted them to stay, I had to choose. Will I surrender my plan God's plan will I choose to trust him and will I come back with faith to pray for miracles again and again and again because only Jesus can and will do miracles where else can we turn so let me be clear do we believe that God heals today in the modern context of Christ the King? Yes, we do. Do we believe that the prayer of God's people makes a difference? Yes, we do. Do we have pastors gather and pray and anoint people in Jesus' name and believe for healing? Yes, we do. Do we believe that all sickness is because someone sinned? No. Sometimes it can happen because your neighbor sneezes on you, okay? Do we believe sickness can cause or can be caused because of sin? Absolutely. Just try indulging in the sin of gluttony with Big Macs for a year and see how you feel, right? But this is the key. In my mind, I just picture James kind of like pulling up a chair, reaching across the desk and grabbing a hold of our hands and saying, this is what you need to do. Pray. Pray. Why? Because God's answer can remove the affliction. It's God's will. And prayer can also give us the grace to endure troubles and to use those troubles to accomplish God's perfect will for his glory. If you're sick, you should pray. If you have a need, you should pray. If whatever your circumstance today, prayer is a beautiful response. It's a powerful response. Then James says, if any of you is happy, you should sing. Worship is a fitting reaction in any circumstance. Then he says, you should call. Call on brothers and sisters to lift them up in prayer. Oh, we have learned how to be so isolated over the past three years. We don't ask for help anymore. We don't reach out. We've been conditioned to look after me, mine, and ours. James is saying, no, 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 no. If you're sick, reach out. Call on your family. 
This is actually a declaration of dependence. There is always healing when sin is confessed and when faith is grown. And this is the key. The prayer is prayed in accordance with God's will. The oil is applied in the name of Jesus. And it is Jesus and only Jesus who lifts people up out of sickness. It's all about the power of Jesus. And the power of Jesus is available to every single person in this room and every person that's watching. In my experience, I found this to be true. The most profound testimony to an unbelieving world is how you deal with adversity and how you pray through adversity. In my front row on suffering, I've watched people cling to Jesus with everything they had. And you know what they received? Peace. How we deal with adversity, how we pray through adversity. And I want to remind you again, if you don't get anything else today, please take this with you. God is not offering you a formula. He's offering you a family. Call your brothers and sisters. Pick up the phone. Email somebody. I need you to pray for me. When we get that kind of a call, here's my challenge to you as a church family. Can we just completely do away with this this statement? I'll pray for you. No, now, right then, in that moment, you need prayer, I'm praying for you right now. We're in the middle of Applebee's. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You need prayer. That's how responsive we need to be. When you're sick, you're supposed to call on your family. They will come and surround you and pray and believe and ask in faith for your healing. So let's actually do that right now. I mean, what a beautiful place to share a moment like this together. And I'm asking some of you in this room right now to start summoning courage. James said, if any of you is sick, emotionally, physically, doesn't matter, call on your brothers and sisters. Well, I'm here to tell you, today if you call on your brothers and sisters, we're going to show up for you. So here's what I'm going to ask happen. I'm going to ask anyone in the room, anyone who's dealing with chronic pain, a disability, or simply needs physical or emotional healing, I'm going to ask if you're able to stand. If you can't stand, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. And then I'm going to ask people to respond. So I know it's going to take some courage, but if you need prayer for physical or emotional healing right now, would you stand to your feet? Just stand up. Yeah. Okay, family. And there's a hand right there, which is beautiful. Yeah, it's okay. You can keep popping. That's good. So at Christ the King Community Church, nobody stands alone. So if God puts somebody right beside you, I'm going to ask you right now to stand up and move towards them. I just want you to put a hand on their shoulder. Just let them know you're there. Right there, awesome. I want to make sure, yeah, we had a hand right in the middle. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Right here, thank you, you guys. Thanks for moving. Thank you. If you're at home right now, I just want you to hold your hands like this. I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit of God has his hands on your shoulders right now. 
and we're going to pray. Father God, we have brothers and sisters here right now who need a healing touch from you. God, I don't know what the different afflictions, sicknesses, disabilities, affirmities are. I don't know, but you do because you know every single one of them by name. And you called them to stand today. So we're gathering around and praying in faith, believing. God, we're asking for their healing. We're asking for their deliverance. We're asking that you would raise them up. Lord, you said that the prayer prayed in faith would be answered. So we're asking, God, on behalf of our brothers and sisters, that you would heal them. That pain would be bound in the name of Jesus. That sickness would be bound in the name of Jesus. That disease would be bound in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for our precious brothers and sisters. We love them. God, I'm so grateful for a safe place where we could gather together and pray the prayer of faith. So Lord, we are taking you at your word right now. Lord, we're not fussy. If you do it medically, praise God. If you do it miraculously, praise God. Lord, we're just asking, would you give our brothers and sisters the breakthrough they've been praying for? And may they know they're not alone. May they know that we are with them and we are for them and God is with them and God is for them and he is hearing and answering right now. We love you. We trust you. May your healing power flow to everyone who has stood or raised a hand. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody got a Kleenex? Lori, can you hook me up? Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'll turn my microphone off. Hold on. I love this church. So if, if what happened in this room in the last four minutes, it, it sparked something in you. James 5.16 says, pray for one another that you may be healed. Some of you are like, I don't know exactly how to do those kinds of things. We actually have, we've got a training how to pray for people. <laughs> and Rick and Ann Campbell are gonna lead it. They lead our after service prayer team. All the details are in your program. I would love if our church, if we just became better and more responsive when it came to, I need prayer. Awesome, let's pray. At the end of his book, James shows us Jesus one more time. He says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. 
Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death, cover a multitude of sins. One of my favorite moments with James actually happens in Acts chapter 15 outside of the book of James. There's a group of really well-intended religious church people who are, who are, I don't even know how to say this. They're making it tough for people to become a part of God's family. They were arguing about whether or not when a guy comes to Jesus, whether or not he should actually have to have surgery in order to get into the family. <laughs> Can you imagine if we did membership classes and then handed out surgical forms as a next step? I don't think so. But in the middle of this debate about who should get in and who should be left out, a guy stands up, James. And this is what he says. Can we not make it difficult for those who are coming to Jesus? Can we just not make this difficult? He's got the same heart in the debate as he had at the end of his book. Let's not make it hard for people to come to Jesus. And if they come and, they, and then wander away, let's pursue them with God's love and bring them back into God's family. That's messy work, but that's the heart of Jesus. I know we want to, but will we? So James is ready to sign off. I want to thank everyone who took the time to study this book with me. Pastor Brian and I tried to make this as practical as possible, and now we're turning our attention to the red-letter questions of Jesus that'll take us all the way up to Christmas. I don't know about you, but the book of James has helped reshape me again. So let's pray to that end, and then I've got a few things for you before we go. Father God, there's so much in this book from your brother. So much that we could do. Lord, I pray that we would. We would be obedient. That we would learn how to slow down our mouths. That we would learn, God, how to endure suffering in the same way that you did. God, that we would be so quick to pray we would be obedient so God as we give our heart to following the instructions of James I pray in the name of Jesus that you would raise up a people who take a hold of the word of truth and then live it all week long for my brothers and sisters in the room my brothers and sisters at home Lord we give ourselves to you and the good work you're doing inside of us Lord, we're saying we not just want to, we will. We will. So Holy Spirit, come. You've been here all morning long. Lord, make us aware of your presence. And may the power of your word change our lives this week. In Jesus' name we pray. couple things as you're getting ready to go day to pray grab a CTK life on your way out we're doing something next week called asking for a friend we do these weekends called ask us anything people give us questions we don't prepare we don't know what the questions are ahead of time it's raw it's unfiltered sometimes we get in trouble it's really good 
Pastor Brian and I are going to be up here, and our friend Drew's flying up from Phoenix. He's actually going to moderate and walk us through. If you've got a question, maybe you wouldn't attach your name to, but you'd be asking for a friend. There are boxes in the commons. I want to encourage you. If you're watching online, you can actually go to info.ctk.church. There's a digital drop box there, which is completely secure. We'd love for you to do that. So as we wrap up today, we want to follow the instructions of James. I love what we did in the service, and I want to give you another opportunity. The Bible says that if any of you is sick, he should call on the elders, pastors of the church, and they will anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith, and God will answer. So we're ready today. Rick and Ann, members of the after-service prayer team, are going to be up here at the front, pastors, Council members, different people are going to be up here at the front, and and you might have to wait a little bit, but I'm just telling you, God responds to his people, and we would love to be able to practice what we've preached from James chapter 5. So if you'd like to take that opportunity, we'd invite you, instead of walking that way, you're going to walk this direction, and we will do that together, and we will hold on to God's promise. Church, would you stand with me? We've prayed a lot and we're going to pray again. God, thank you that we can come to you and be heard. So God, I pray right now in the power of the name of Jesus that you would bless my brothers and sisters as they go. Lord, as they enter into the most holy moment of the week, the church has been gathered, now the church will be scattered. God, may they take the word of truth with them. May they have opportunities to pray the prayer of faith with someone. Lord, if they see someone who has stumbled and fallen, that they would be those kind of people to help pick them up and bring them back home. God, we love you and we trust you. And we thank you for answered prayer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.